This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Fly fishing looks so serene, so calm, so artistic, anything but dangerous. I mean, it's not an extreme sport, but fly fishing can put you in some dangerous situations. Last year, a couple days after our fly fishing trip to Yellowstone National Park, there were some fly fishers on the Lamar River, not far from where we fished, and they had a grizzly charge them. Uh, they were able to drive it away with bear spray. Dave, you remember we saw a track right along the Gardner River, a big grizzly track right in the trail? I know. It was actually much larger than I had imagined for some yeah. reason. It was, and it had such deep indentations. Yeah. And uh, I took a picture of it. Yeah, it, I know. It was, it's, uh, it was a little bit sobering, actually. It really is. It's a reminder of the, the danger that you face. Well, this whole episode was triggered... Um, the idea for the episode was triggered with a by a conversation with Dave Matthewson, who is oh yeah my uh, brother. brother yeah. yeah he was in town recently and so the three of us had lunch and he was all of a sudden chatting we were chatting about uh, elk hunting and he's a great bow hunter and he told this story which was so sobering and I'd never heard it before I can't believe it and he was or so maybe I forgot it. it yeah right yeah. so yeah. he was coming back from a morning hunt. And he had not shot anything, and all he had, of course, was his bow. He had no firearm, and I'm sure he had a, a like a, a knife with him as yeah, well. Yeah, his hunting knife. His hunting mm-hmm. knife, but so he had only his bow with him. So he comes around this rock outcropping, let's say 11 a.m. in the morning, trying to get back to his truck. He had about a mile or two to go still. And he comes around this bend, and there are, count them, five cougars <laughs> oh, lying man. in wait. Five mountain lions. Five oh, mountain ah. lions. Ooh. And I asked Dave, I said, were you not like freaked? He said, no, it was really weird. He said, I just pulled up and stopped and didn't move. And basically over the course of probably 30 seconds to a minute, they each slowly got up and walked away. Man. So they, they were probably hearing him come. Yeah. And yeah. they thought they were going to get something for lunch. Oh, man. <laughs> but just think if they would have attacked him. Well, like you said, that got us thinking about some of the dangers that we face when we're fly fishing. And not every place we fish is dangerous. And I realize that that we have people listening from uh, coast to coast in the U.S. and, and even some overseas listeners. And, and we realize that every context is different. I mean, we don't have grizzly bears north of us in Wisconsin. Nope. Uh, but uh, something we have to pay attention to. Just big bulls. <laughs> oh, yeah. You keep bringing that up. Okay, so we're walking out of this place place where we fish and I we were walking through some cattle and both Dave and I have been around cattle all most of our lives and you know I'm keeping a 20 30 yards away no big deal and I'm looking at probably pictures I took on my phone and Dave goes hey that's a bull you're about ready to walk into it's like oh my goodness yeah it was was an Angus bull I think I know yeah so there you go you never know what kind of danger uh, you're gonna run into Hey, in a previous podcast, Dave, I I think it was about a year ago, we talked about our top five dangers when fly fishing, but today we're going to get more specific and talk about our five most dangerous moments on the river, uh, hoping to help our listeners think about safety. I mean, better safe than sorry, or 
to put it more bluntly, better safe than dead. Yeah, for sure. So, Dave, what's one dangerous moment that stands out to you, something that happened to you or happened to us? At the top of the list is the Buffalo story. And oh, we've yeah. mentioned this oh, yeah. before, but yeah. we have this real nice honey hole that we go back to near Tower Fall, and we go back quite a ways. And it was, we had come back, it was probably, it was dusk, and we had probably still had a mile or two to go to get to the top of the trailhead. Yeah, about a mile. Yep. About a mile. Mm-hmm. Was it about a mile? Yeah. And so the trail runs along the Yellowstone River. And and so we come over this little bend and looked up, and there's a herd of bison in yep. the middle of the trail. And they're probably up 100 yards, I would say. Yeah, I think that's right. And yep. so... I remember Steve going, oh my, what are we going to do? And I said, you know, let's just keep walking. They're like cattle. They'll get up and, and lazily mosey on up the ravine. And 80% of them did. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so there was one bull that did not. Oh, man. And so we kept walking, and I kept thinking, well, he's going to get up. It's going to get up and, and bolt for the ravine. Well, it didn't. And I don't know where kind of the male brain started to mature oh, at that man. moment. We, and yeah. we actually stopped and we realized... We started walking towards us, too. It wasn't just that it stayed there. It was right. walking towards us. So we us. were probably 50 yards, and we stopped. And I'm planning my escape to the river, <laughs> thinking, okay, I'm going to have to try this uh, curl up in a fetal position and bob and down the river. Down the Honestly, I did. Yeah, because there was no way we could run up. It, th- there was a no hill to, to the left of it. It wasn't like we could run up the hill or even hide behind a tree. We, we'd come into that open we area. We were fully exposed. Yeah. So the bull started walking towards us, and and we paused, and I remember you and I easing down to the side of the river, which was only a few feet off the trail. Yeah. And I think you were even in the river at that point. We had our waders on still. Oh, yeah, that's right. We walked down right to the edge of the river. Yeah. And he and now, ca- don't make this sound worse. Like, oh, yeah, I'm already in the river, Dave. Like, I'm a big chicken. <laughs> Come on. I'm yeah. trying to improve my storytelling. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, but you're you're right. We were. We were right. I, I probably was standing in ankle-deep water. Man. So at one point, it just stopped, right? Yeah. It, it looked looked at us, switched its tail, and then just kind of moseyed on up wow. the ravine following the the other bison. Wow. So so what, what's the takeaway from that? Uh, what did we learn? Or did me, we learn anything? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I don't think there was no, no, there was not a lesson to learn on that. Yeah. For sure, I think um, we we should have not walked up as close as we did on yeah. that herd, for starters. And we've, we've always been wary, but I think, yeah, we're, we're probably even even warier. Is yeah, that, is that a word? More wary, warier. Yeah, um, yeah. I and, and yeah. Historically, we've not been stupid. I mean, we've been outdoors. Right. I've been outdoors my mm. entire life. So, but it was just a reminder. You can't be too careful. You can't take stuff for no. granted. Yeah. You know, I wonder too. I suspect that there's been other times we've been in danger from, you know, who knows how close grizzlies have been and 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 rattlesnakes. Remember the one time I I, I looked down. We were walking out out of the the bear trap and i walk on the trail and i look down and and i mean an inch away from my foot was this coiled rattlesnake well the head was cut off it had been a friend of ours who was in there and had killed it and uh you know and left. knew you were coming right behind us. yeah exactly i know <laughs> or behind him yeah. excuse me but i tell you what i man i about my heart about skipped a beat but 
And, and honestly, you almost, you honestly, take your Dave, waders off and change yeah, your pants. My, my yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> you had to say that. Yeah, I did. Have to but say. that's not true. I I want to make that clear. That did not happen. That's yes. probably more due to yeah, old age than anything. Oh, that, oh, good grief. No, I'll tell you what about old age though. I'm being serious. I know my hearing is not what it used to be, and. And I think it's a combination of probably, you know, headphones listening to 70s music. But but also, I mean, we, we always used hear, um, you know, ear protection when we shot, you know, firearms target practice. But I think, though, there were times when maybe I was 10 or 11 and I'm shooting an aught 6 down in my, uh, you know, grand, grandfather's uh, shooting range down below his house in northern Pennsylvania that I, I remember we didn't have earmuffs on then so anyway all that is to say I, I wonder how many times I've I haven't heard rattlesnakes buzzing I, I remember once out on the Madison River uh, in the lower Madison just just what maybe three miles below where we fish in the bear trap uh, I was with my son Luke and and some other guys and and guy said hey rattlesnake up ahead said, what he said yeah don't you hear it it's like uh no and, and then as we got closer, I heard it buzz. But, uh, uh, yeah, I wonder sometimes how many of those I've, uh, I, I've missed. But you know what, Dave? I think we've been on the alert, and that's what's, uh, sure. you know, that's what's kept us uh, safe. You know, if we were that close or that in danger, I'd like to think we would have uh, been able to get the bear spray out or, or avoid the snake. All right, so the buffalo, yeah, that's a, wow, that was a dangerous moment. Uh, here's one that a second one that I had recently, and this was in a drift boat in high winds. In fact, it was last week. Uh, last week I was uh, out in Montana. I was en route to a uh, memorial service for my father-in-law. He was 90 years old and and uh, just a, a wonderful man. Uh, the The service was in Eastern Oregon, uh, right across the the Snake River from where they lived in Idaho, and and I was headed out already, so I I. My, my wife got there a few days early to be with her sister, and so uh, I had to come later, and she said, well, you know, feel free to, you know, just to fly fish in Montana, and that, that's all it took. Feel free, that's yeah. That's all it took. <laughs> so I did that. I tried to convince Dave to come out, but he was responsible. He had uh, had to work. So it was just me. I, I fished with some friends, but uh, one day we... Uh, we floated the upper Madison. Uh, we floated from uh, the section from uh, Varney Bridge to uh, Burnt Tree. And actually the fishing was really good, but the wind was horrible. And one of the guys, that the guy whose drift boat we used, and, and he's a good oarsman. He, he's been doing this for 30 years. He was an expert, really good. But I'll tell you what, he was having difficulty. Put his to, skills to test. Oh, the wind was so bad. A couple times we were near a bank, and, and the wind was so bad, he couldn't he couldn't pull us out. And, you know, and there was this one time where there was a limb that was sticking out, and it was I, – I ducked. I mean, I, I kind of laid backwards so I Take wouldn't out get an eye. hit. Yeah, hit by that thing. And, and then there was a time, too, where there was a rock that – I was really trying to avoid narrowly missed hitting that. And I think if we might have hit that rock, I, I don't know if we would have capsized or, or not, but uh, that, that was a scary thing. And, and it just reminded me of, uh, you know, how bad, how, how dangerous wind can be when you're in a drift boat. Well, all the stories on certainly those big western rivers with folks that are drifting 
and you know getting caught in a strainer you know they capsize yeah. and then trying mm-hmm. to head downstream getting caught in a strainer log jam strainer strainer you know being on those drift boats and other boats it's just you mm-hmm. know there can be some really dangerous yeah. moments oh yeah there really can well the third we want to talk about is a day that Steve and I had on the Wyoming Bighorn several years ago. Uh, we had a friend who's a fly fisher, really great fly fisher out uh, near, uh, what's the name of the town? Thermopolis. Yeah, Thermopolis, yeah. Wyoming, mm-hmm. really terrific yeah. fly fisher. Well, he took us out on the Bighorn. We actually had a really good day. Yeah. We had a lot of cut bows that day. Right. Oh, um, yeah. And But it changed from being warm and dry when we started to cool and wet. Yeah. And uh, we were wet waiting. You know, we were, yeah, we were. <laughs> Literally, and, and yeah, and literally. Yeah. So we didn't have our waders, and, right? Because it was so warm. Yeah, when like, we started out, and then all yeah. of a sudden the the temp just turned like it does in the west, yep. mm-hmm. and it must have dropped twenty degrees. Yeah, I bet it did. And all of a sudden you're cold, you're chilled, and then it started to light. There was lightning. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and what was so hard was it was so windy. There was lightning, thunder, and and just the time to get the drift boat to the side of the river right. and to take out mm-hmm. yep. and to find some cover. Well, you're not looking for cover. You're yeah. looking to, and to get away from your fly rod, essentially. Yeah, that's right. It was really precarious. I, I thought it was one of the most dangerous moments that we had. It probably was. I, I think we may have realized that in retrospect. I mean, the lightning wasn't, you know, it wasn't super close. We could, we, we could see it in the distance, but, but you're right. One of those days where Maybe you don't feel the danger as much as you should, but when you really think about the situations, like you know what, um, we, we really have to be careful here. Yeah, uh, I, I remember that too. It was uh, I, I just got a real chill towards the end of the day, and and I, I don't think we were that close to hypothermia, but we we could have been. And had I had I done that again, I would have taken a, you know, a, a wet dry bag that. I could have put an extra change of clothes in and, and my waders. You know, it, it's so easy, though, when it's sun's out, there's not a cloud in the sky. That happens in the West all the time. Yeah, these squalls just it, pop oh, up. they do, just out of nowhere. You, you never know, even if it's not on the forecast. So, yeah, that was, a, that was a dangerous day. It reminds me of a day in the Yellowstone years ago where I, f- I fished and actually caught a really nice brown trout, probably 19, 20-inch brown out of the Yellowstone, right above the uh, right above that weeping wall. You know where that is, Dave? Yeah. Uh, it's hard to get around that. Oh, it really it. is. But I caught a, a nice brown there and a woolly bugger, and then uh, my wife and I and my brother and, and some other friends, and I think it was his girlfriend at the time, we, uh, we, we camped out. Uh, it was her dad's ranch, and... So we camped out under, you know, this grove of trees and fine, no, no big deal. But a couple years later, uh, right in that same area, I think it's under the same grove of trees, he had he had like three or four cattle that were killed, struck by lightning. I mean, oh, the very yeah. same place. And I realized later, boy, I, I didn't. I didn't realize how much danger there was. So maybe one takeaway is even if the danger doesn't seem palpable. Uh, whenever weather's involved, uh, yeah, you can never be too safe. For sure, for sure. Uh, all right, here's a fourth. Uh, this is several years ago, hiking around Upper Two Medicine in Glacier National Park. Uh, my dad and and his dad, my grandfather, had fished there years before, and and just uh, you know slaughtered the uh, these twelve inch brookies, and 
it was back in the day when pre-catch and release yeah so they pre-catch did and release them. yeah it was literal <laughs> slaughter they, they caught them on uh, on spinners and and we had a great meal i mean there, there's nothing tastier than, than brook trout if, yeah, if you, if you like trout, trout. Yeah. yeah so uh, we went back up there and we actually uh you know caught some uh these brookies that were 15 and 16 inches now and caught a couple on royal coachman but uh I decided, you know how the the shoreline at the other end, at the other side of the lake, always looks a lot better. Yeah. Uh, kind of like the grass that's greener in the other pasture. So uh, I took my youngest brother. I wanted to get him some good fishing, and he had a spinning rod. And I had my fly rod, and I was uh, I was probably nineteen, so he would be uh, oh, what nine, right? eight or nine, yeah, because yeah, he's eleven. And, actually, he's 11. eleven and a half younger than I am. So yeah, he was probably eight. So. I, I'm taking him around Upper Two Medicine, and we're sloshing through brush. And finally, I realized, you know, you always realize these things but and t- when it's too late. But I realized, man, the drop-off down to the lake. I mean, this is a, it's like we're walking around a, a cliff. And I think that's what it was. You know, the other side of the lake, I mean, it's it's right up against the mountain. It's like the mountain, the sheer rock wall just emerged, just shot up out of this lake. And I realized that's what we're walking on. There's really no shoreline. We're just on the side of this cliff that drops right into the lake where it's 20, 30 feet immediately. And I remember I was scared. We were hanging on to brush. I'm telling my brother, it's, it's okay, just hang on to me and my hearts pounding and there's trickles of water and it was like there's no way to go back yeah there's no so we made it around that thing but that was one of the scariest uh uh, most dangerous moments that i had not on the river but on the lake i think one thing about being in the outdoors that's so important is the importance of humility because even if you've been in the outdoors your entire life there's always that chance of doing something stupid yeah there is that that um you know that makes it so that you die yeah you get too confident too cocky i guess yeah and and so there's kind of this necessary humility and respect for yeah. what can happen in yeah, the outdoors yeah hey time for one more dave so this may be my own personal most dangerous moment was uh when i was wading across the yellowstone it was steve and i were again below tower <laughs> falls <laughs> Trying to wait across sorry. the. I'm Why are you sorry. laughing? This is hurtful. <laughs> that is hurtful. You're sitting here. You don't look hurt to me. <laughs> we can. Why are la- you laughing? We can, we can laugh about it now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're up three or four miles, and we're trying to get around. There's this cliff, and so you have to either climb the cliff yeah. or walk through the Yellowstone on the edge. And it's so swift no, at that it point. Is, yeah. It's not that far across, but it's so swift. And if you remember those first couple of years, we actually waded <laughs> yeah. the Yellowstone oh, yeah. around that yep. little cliff. Now we go mm-hmm. up it. We just right. have said, hey, if we're going to fish on the other side of this, we have to go up the cliff. We want to use our mountaineering skills. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, we look great out there. <laughs> but I was, we were fishing, I was fishing this channel, and um, it was actually not walking around that cliff here i was actually fishing and it was so good that day i think i was catching them on a woolly bugger was those that's the lesson isn't it oh man when it's so good yes your mind just and i stepped out and slipped and all of a sudden and if you've ever been 
uh, underwater <laughs> while you're fly fishing, there's the, the, the shock is so unbelievable. And the first thought is, I mean, were you, how far under were you? That is a good question. I mean, you weren't completely under, were you? No, but, but like up to your. But it was over my your head waders. was wet. Yeah, yeah but okay. it was not like that deep. Yeah. But I actually like horizontally, I was underneath. Yeah. And then okay. I popped up. Okay. And it was probably only four yeah. or five feet deep. Or it was probably. Oh man. It was probably four feet. And deep. that was a summer, right? Yeah, it was Otherwise, summer. that would yeah, have been yeah. a big trouble. We would have had to quit. You would have had to quit. <laughs> well, I, I, I have to tell you that later, at, after that happened, I honestly thought about walking back. Wow. Because it, and I never told you about this. Oh, no, you didn't. Now, yeah, now I feel bad for laughing. Seriously, yeah. you were up about two yeah, or three runs, man. and you were around the bend. Yeah. And partly because I was so embarrassed that it happened. But I, the, oh. the river shot me down probably 25 yards. Boy, that's and, scary. You know, and, and so I lost my fly rod for a few moments. I found it. And, mm-hmm. um, but that's the first thing is my fly rod. And then yeah. there was this panic of surviving. Oh yeah. And so I had water over the top of my waders and, you know, the big Boy. thing is getting hit with a rock, right? You're oh hit, man. Hitting a rock. And no kidding. So that, you know, sometimes when you're fly fishing, the water comes over the waders and the pool is so deep. The pool here was probably only four or five feet deep, but the water was moving so fast and there were pools down further that were a lot deeper. And there was, wow. it was so hard to get your, your balance. So you wrote that piece called The Ten Commandments of Waiting. I pretty much violated every one of them. Oh, boy. But uh, but I survived and got out and dried out, and mm-hmm. I think we ended up fly fishing. I don't think I went back yeah. up that run again. I think I stayed on that side of, the river, on that side of the river for a while. But that would be, no doubt, that was the most dangerous no. moment. And what made it hard was that you weren't there. You were, yeah. just, you were about yeah. 50 yards around a bend. So I, if yeah. I had no, I was headed back. Oh, downstream forever if in fact you know Boy, I, I had not been able to pull yeah. out no i shudder now to think about that yeah, yeah. Wow. so oh, and i've been there done that too i mean i face planted last year in the in well creek it wasn't a big creek that the danger would have been you know hitting my head on a rock or, or breaking a bone or something and and uh <laughs> it's easy and then like you say waiting i mean i've had a few situations where i've waited across the river channel and then I've had a really difficult, treacherous time getting back because I, I, I found the magic route going across, but coming back, you, you can't always retrace your steps, yeah. and it's uh, it's just different. Oh, yeah, I for know. For sure, for sure. Well, hey, real quick, some lessons. Then, how do we just wrap this up? I mean, one is stay alert to surroundings, and that's a given. But animals, weather, you have to be alert. And, and like we just talked about, I think you brought this up, Dave, when. When we're facing a lot of success, it's just easy to forget and get lazy, but uh, stay alert. So that's the first. I think the other is, you know, not to take unnecessary risks, you know, whether waiting yeah. or climbing. Again, it's so yeah. patently obvious. I just yeah. remember, or recently I heard uh, a story about a woman whose body was just found on the, along the Appalachian Trail. You remember? I think oh, I sent yeah. you that. Yeah. But her friend... She was uh, she was hiking with a friend, and the friend decided to go back. And she said she was going to continue to hike on the trail. And you know they couldn't find her, couldn't find mm-hmm. her, couldn't find her. And come to find out, she was only like a mile off the trail, but wow. it was so dense and um, it's so rural and so uh, yep. wilderness e out there that mm-hmm. she um, yep. that she died out there out of, uh, of exposure. But I think yep. she actually starved. Did she starve to death? Yeah, I can't she may have starved that. to death. Yeah. I can't remember. It was a horrible story. Boy. So I think the point is don't take unnecessary risks. Yeah. And one certainly is to fly fish with a buddy if you're going to be fishing in that kind of uh, yeah. wilderness area. Hey, related to that, here's a third. Carry the right gear. I mean, that's everything from clothing to 
water to to bear spray two-way uh, radios if you're going yes way back. you're right we've done that as well that, that's so important and the final one is don't mess with lightning yeah again it's patently obvious but sometimes it's not I mean, I think you, you're fly fishing and you just think, ah, that looks like it's, yeah, that's you know, way in the distance. a mile away no or five deal. miles away. And, and I think it's really important just yeah. to say, no, let's stop, lay the fly rod down, walk away, yep. and stop until it's over. Absolutely. All right, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. A couple fly fishers recently commented on our podcast on whether to fish upstream or downstream. Uh, dry fly fishing is usually done by casting upstream, but there are times when it makes more sense to fish a dry fly downriver. Bob commented, I will fish dries downstream on skinny eastern spring creeks, especially when it's low and clear. Like you describe in the podcast, I get pretty far above them in the same current lane and shake out some line with the hope that the presentation corrects itself by the time it gets a couple of feet above the trout. It's tough to set the hook with all that line and from upstream, so I only use that presentation when I feel like it's the only way. Oh, that's good. That is good. Oh, that's good. Yep. Then Drew followed up with this thought. He said, I find the times I cast downstream with a dry as if it's, let's say, the spring a river is flowing from my left to right, you naturally lose some distance during your drift through mending, different currents, etc. So if I see an active top feeder on my right at the end of my drift, I will cast downstream hoping I can get some distance and put it in front of him. I find it's very challenging because you're going to have a very short drift and the presentation has to be pretty good as well to avoid spooking. At times I really like this because it challenges my casting ability and adds another wrinkle to the day. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, it's it's got to be a short drift. The presentation has to be good because those fish are looking up at you. Yeah, for sure. And in any shadows, anything like that, they're going to see. All right, that's going to do it for today. Uh, tell us about a dangerous experience you've had while fly fishing. How did you get out of it? What would you do different? Please share that with us by going to twoguysinariver.com and commenting on this podcast link. What dangerous experiences have you had, and what did you learn from them, or what would you do differently? You can find Two Guys in a River pretty much everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Stitcher. And, of course, you can visit our website, twoguysinariver.com. Each week we publish one new episode, and we also publish a new article. Yes, we do. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing.